What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're recapping UFC 287 Miami, Piera versus Adesanya 2. And as always, go down and like and subscribe, drop a comment. These are your hosts. I'm Paul Pickle, William Concha, and I'm joined with. You already know it's your boy, Kev. King of the 305. So, boy, man, that shit was a vibe. Miami was great this motherfucking weekend. So good, I had to put my shirt back on. You feel me? I think it was feeling himself, man. Man, it was an electric ass weekend, an electric ass card. I mean, there'll be a little side story we'll talk about one day about all the crazy shit that happened before the card even started to even get me in Kev into that motherfucker because it was getting a little shaky for a while. But once we got there, man, the crowd was electric, the arena was electric, parking was expensive, food was delicious. Like it was, it was, it was a fucking, it was a UFC event, but it was the king of UFC event. Fuck against. Fuck the motherfucking kiosk that I went to to go get a UFC 287 shirt, which I guess was the only kiosk in the motherfucking arena that had motherfucking, that was sold out of the shirt I wanted. I could have went to any other one, but I chose that one. And that was the only one that was sold out, and I didn't have time to stop all the other ones. Fuck them. It's tragic. But just know, hey, y'all's favorite podcast, if you're listening, y'all boys, if you, y'all just now tuning in, y'all's first episode, y'all just know. We was there. We was there live. Uh, hopefully, I will be able to edit in some of this footage. But we will. We was there live in the flesh in our hometown, watching some of our favorite fighters. One of the king of our hometown, Jorge Masvidal, was in that bitch too. I mean, great ass fight. I mean, we didn't pick him, but it was a great ass fight. Hey man, Miami's my second home, man. Every time I'm in that motherfucker, I'm like, why do I not live here? Why do I not live here? I don't make no sense. How do I not live here? To, to catch how big of a deal it was. I mean, even the fucking ex-president himself, man, got 136 charges. Donald Trump said, fuck, fuck all that. I got to go catch these fights in Miami before this case. I ain't going to lie to you, kid. They said he got there at 730, bro. He's watched the entire car from start to finish. And, like, when he – I did definitely did not vote for Donald Trump in the last election. I didn't even know I, – I, I didn't know I didn't have beef with bro. But when he pulled up and they played American Badass and bro came through talking us, oh my God, shaking hands, kissing babies. And I'm and not going to lie, that was. The walkout was like a UFC walkout, the way he had a team around him and stuff. Like and, he looked and, like a fighter coming to the ring. Man, started off the main card with that. Like that was insane. Mike Tyson over there laughing his ass off. He's like, yo, Donald, what's good? I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm nice. not going to lie. He was him right there. He was, he pulled, he pulled up like him, had the whole crowd screaming. USA, USA, USA. USA. He was him right there. I ain't even gonna lie to you, kid. I ain't even gonna lie to you. He didn't even have to hop onto the mic to control that arena, bro. It was crazy. Nah, even slightly. Like, didn't didn't WWE that motherfucker not once. Nobody had to go bald, no none of that. He pulled up, and I mean, not only did he pull up, but the fucking. I felt like the fighters pulled up with some energy, bro. The fighters felt like this is Miami. Miami pulled up. I mean, we outsold Madison Square Garden if they didn't know. For 11 the point, 11.9 million at the gate, bitches. And some of that was my money, too. You feel me? You feel right. me? Worth every penny. If you was there and you got the feel, and hopefully I'll be able to feel by the clips in this video as well. The, just the raw energy in that fucking building, bro. And if you ever get a chance to go watch a fight in your hometown or any town near you, I highly recommend. I, don't, don't give a fuck what Twitter says about, oh, the prices are so high. No, 
fucking go. It's a different type of feeling. But everything hits. The time flies fucking by. Everybody's lit. And if there's a knockout in the main event, you will hear the loudest roar in your motherfucking life, kid. I will not lie to you. If you when you see the colors change for the Brazilian motherfuckers when they come into the arena, oh my god! And if you heard how quiet it got when Alex when Alex stepped out and was walking, if you heard how silent that arena was, like it was really like a boogeyman came through. Like the energy that you can you can the energy that you get exposed to in a at a UFC fight is one in a motherfucking million. No, because there was definitely booing a lot. Like, they, they, Gilbert Burns got booed. Not by us. Me and Kevin were probably one of the six people in that bitch cheering our asses off when he came out. Bravo, Brazil! Everyone booing. But when Alex Piero walked out, it, like Kev said, the boogeyman. It was like the bully walking down. Everyone wanted to boo. But no one, everyone was too scared to boo. But there wasn't a single boo in the crowd. Everyone cheered for Izzy, but not a single boo for the champ. No, but when, when I'll have to ask you, Paul, did you get the same chills I got when that boy Bruce Buffer said, for the main event, bro, he did that shit right there. Lights went on. Oh, my. I thought the Undertaker came through, kid. Like, shit was lit. Uh, I mean, since we talked about all the background information, we talked about how little it was. We talked about the in betweens. We talked about it. like we can't explain how how little it was, but hopefully, hopefully we're coming across. Hopefully we're coming because I know I definitely got the chills. Bruce Buffer was in his bag that night, and the funny thing is, we were watching it. Bruce Buffer was stretching between every round, not every round, but between every time he's about to call. I was like this man really be stretching out like a fucking sports athlete before he has to make his uh his announcement. I'm going to be going in that bitch feeling loose. Uh, we're going to do things a little differently on this episode. Instead of going down it in order, we're going to change up the uh, little order real quick. Instead, uh, we're going to talk about the last six fights. Man, last seven, eight. I don't know. We're going to, we'll see how we're feeling. We got, we're going to go through the decisions first. We're going to save the knockouts for save because the knockouts are vicious. The knockouts are fucking uh, highlight real worthy. So let's go through these decisions. Yeah. Damn you, you knew I wanted to talk knockouts. You got me. Yeah. And the first yeah, I mean, the first one we're gonna talk because it's all over Twitter. The motherfucker won't stop talking about it. Kelvin Gaslam's unanimous decision over Chris Curtis, where Chris Curtis has sent an appeal. He didn't like it. He says he got headbutted. He shouldn't have lost it. It was a close fight. Da 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 da. Wants a rematch. He's campaigning on Twitter, arguing with everyone and their mama on Twitter about it. Kevin Gastelum, I mean, everyone thought he was dead. I didn't think so. I picked him to win. He got the dub. He helped my he helped out my picks. I thought he won, especially live in person. It looked like he won. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind them to run it back. It was such a great fight the first time. But I mean, hey, he has risen. No chat. This was fight of the night. This would have been the best. He would have had the best motherfucking octagon interview if it wasn't for my boy Izzy. But Motherfucker, Gaston did his fucking thing in his fight. First off, them boys banged out. They didn't, nobody stepped back. Everybody kept going. I feel like Gaston put more hands on him than Chris Curtis did. I think Chris Curtis was really doing his thing, though. I feel like this was a very, I can understand you being frustrated on losing a fight. I probably would have went to Twitter about it. 
but he the thing that he got mad about on Twitter was the fact that that um Gaston like went all the way to like eleven or something like that. Where um if Chris Curtis had won, he probably would have went like up one rank type shit. So that's where you lost me. But it was a great fight at the end of the day. And his fucking octagon interview was insane. It was like a real WWE promo. Like, he has risen. I was like, Easter is tomorrow, ain't it? And, uh, I mean, if Kevin Gastu fights like that in his next few fights, like, this might be a, a new turning point. Like, because everyone was ready to, he was almost on his way out, I feel like. Like, he was like one or two more losses for Dana White's. Like, all right, bro, like, I got to cut you. Like, yeah, I can't keep you around just because you beat Izzy in Ultimate Fighter. Like, that, like it would have been, it's, his career was looking kind of rough. And uh, Chris Curtis, I mean, I understand you want an appeal. My whole thing is, like, what the fuck Twitter going to do for you, bro? The fuck is, like, like you complaining and yelling at us. Like, bro, you better go yell at them boys, not us. Like, we can't, we, we can't overturn shit. It was, and the fact to me was, I fuck with bro, I still fuck with him. But it was the fact that he replied to every single person. That was, like, one dude that was giving him, like, motivational talk. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, yo, there's better ways. There's, try meditating. Yeah, meditate. try meditating. Right? Get this off your chest. This is not, not, not on Twitter. And then um, our next decision, I literally right after it, this one was a very much clear cut. I, I, Kev, I told you, 29-28 decision. What was it? 29-28 decision. My boy, Christian Rodriguez, big underdog. Another person who got fucking hailed with booze when he came out to the ring. Raul Rosas definitely had the crowd behind him. Everyone's cheering for him. And our first round, he came out shooting probably 50 times. He got one of them. But, I mean, C-Rod, I, I kept saying his defense just kept me. Every time C, uh, Raul tried to shoot a takedown, stuffed it, stuffed it, stuffed it. It eventually got taken down in the first round after getting his heel up here. But even on uh, off, off his uh off his back and everything, very defensively sound. He wasn't giving up his neck. He kept fighting off the chokes. Second and third round, deep sprawls, didn't let him shoot takedowns, just kind of took away his game plan. And then from there, it got real ugly. C-Rod doing anything he wanted after that. Nah, definitely. I think this fight was funny because Raul Brojas immediately went to the takedown, didn't sleep. He definitely caught C-Rod slipping. He wasn't ready for that. C-Rod was expecting shit. But it was funny when my watching this fight and my brother tapped me talking about some, bro, where the punch is at, yo? <laughs> yeah, but I was dude. like, I was like, hey, yo, yo. I was like, he's a wrestler. He's a wrestler. Chill, chill, chill. But this was just a very situational. Um, C-Rod's a good fighter. He's really good. Um, it's crazy that he was that. Like, I think the take on it was, was amazing when he said, it's crazy that he was slept on as much as he was. I slept on him. Everybody in the crowd slept on him. But C-Rod's a great fighter. He definitely came through, and he won the next, um, the next two rounds. He stuffed all the takedowns. But it was nice to show this was a very good example of a difference in strength. And the difference in strength in wrestling is, is going to be there. But you can technique your way out of that. You can make maneuver out the way. But in, but in MMA, there's an octagon to put your back on. There's a motherfucking there – there's still punches and strikes that you got to worry about knees you have to worry about there's still threats when you're taking somebody down so like strength is very very important so i think raul just needs to get some more things in his toolbox he needs to start getting his other things his other um attributes up and he'll be just still be great this is a good loss it's when you start your career off one and one you just you just fought on two pay-per-views just to keep going 
But it's interesting because the conversation now that's being brought up is is him being in the UFC good for him because he could be using his time in a late in a lower um promotion, getting better at these things, or can he be on his Max Holloway shit where he just figures out figures it out and just gets better over time? See, for every one Max Holloway, there's like three other guys who started off. There's a, a Chase Hopper, there's a a Kevin Lee, right? Like they start off young. They want to push him as his next great talent, but they get rushed because they're so young that they didn't have time to, like you said, refine the toolbox to be able to be a great MMA guy. They may come in with a great base of something, but not a great MMA guy. And I think Sean O'Malley gave him the best advice. I'm not even a Sugar Sean fan. He said, just take the next two years two years off. You want to be the youngest champ? You still can. Just take two years off. Don't, like, because otherwise you could get, you take two, three more L's, then you just become like a middle of the rank, middle of the rank kind of guy. Whereas if he takes two years off, a year and a half off, and literally gets a really good striking coach, starts mixing up things and comes back and he already has the wrestling in his bag and he can strike a lot better at still being only 19 to 20 years old, like he can still have the opportunity to be the youngest champ ever. Like he still has, like he just has to refine some things before he can really say, because before that he was saying he could beat Aljo and people were really entertaining that shit. And so this is a great humbling experience, and I think he he just definitely needs to take this time to work on himself. And he already has the brand, he has the image. He just needs to work on himself before coming back to the ring because he he'll he'll still dominate trash cans. But I think that it's it's over for that. It's like you already been fed into the pay per view life. There's no way going down is gonna help you. Uh, that uh, but it was a fun fight. I like C Run. I'm a new fan, and he's 25, not 20. Oh, he's 25. I knew he was, he was, in his I knew he was young. I was like, he's another young fighter. I was looking at his Instagram. It says C-Rod97. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And no, that, that's definitely him. That, that's also his Twitter. Um, but uh, then our last decision we're going to talk on was Gilbert Burns over Jorge Masvidal. I'm not going to talk much on this fight. It was we, – we called it Gilbert Burns by any way he wants. Um, he definitely was landing, like, mean-ass strikes. A couple times it looked like Jorge maybe got wobbled. But Jorge, I mean, for his age, his chin is one of one. Took those shots and did pretty good on the ground. I'm not going to say he won any of the ground exchanges, but he definitely got up at one point where I didn't expect him to get up. He was able to fight off Gilbert Burns from getting any really solid, like he couldn't get no submission in. But I mean, man, Gilbert Burns was just like controlling it, controlling the whole fight. I mean, I gave I gave Gilbert Burns all three rounds, 30-27. A name is decision. And now he's the backup for the Kobe versus Leon fight because of this win. So, I mean, good things happen to someone who takes all the fights. I think it's interesting. Ariel Hawani was making um a debate about the number one, this backup shit, how it might fuck. Like, it's something that they've been doing, but, like... But it, now it's so, becoming a thing, yeah. Yeah, so now, so now I was like, oh, so I'm the next up. I'm the number one contender. I was like, it made sense when the vote did it. The vote did it, and then he got the winner of Oliveira, Oliveira Islam. It made sense when it kind of makes sense in a way that Kobe did it in a way, not really, but in a way it does. But like, if this is something that they're going to keep on doing it, it's kind of making it seem like they're kind of rewarding people for sitting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, just be on standby. And we'll, if, if we'll need you. If, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, hey, I will also say, though, like, some of these motherfuckers, it is a hard weight cut. So like if they're willing to do that for a fight that won't even be there, I sometimes I will give them some of my credit. Like if fucking Hamza Chamayev is cutting weight for a fight that like he 
type shit. He's just the stand-in. Like, I, it just shows, like, discipline. Like, someone here is really about their craft. Like, someone here is really, like, I may not get this fight, but I'll be fucking ready. Oh, uh, yeah, this will be fine, man. We'll see. But I also don't want people being rewarded for it. But I do love the idea of that, just so, just in case. Remember, Oliveira had, couldn't make, didn't make weight, and we're almost talking about, is this fight even going to happen? Da, 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 da. Like, instead of shit like that happening, it'd be like, oh, well, he didn't make weight, so now we're going to fill it in with this guy. And this guy is also a fucking hitter. Instead of trying to call, like, 20 different dudes on the last day and having to fill it in with, like, a so-so fighter, we might be able to fill in some fights with some hitters now. So it's a good concept if they execute it properly. Hell yeah. I tend to say it better myself. But let's get into the – I want to spend less time on that so we have more time on this. Shout out Jorge Masvidal, bro. We, uh, we came into this UFC game late. So we kind of saw everything. Every fight we saw for Masvidal was a loss, other than the BMF title fight, because um, he's one in five, one in four in his last five. But I mean, as a whole career, they like was it fifty two fights he's been in. Uh, he's been in the UFC since fucking two thousand thirteen. First UFC fight was a win over Tim Means. Second one over Michael Chiesa, and then I mean, kind of just was kind of like the the Miami badass for a while. There's like this, this is my, like he's a really fluid striker from Miami, willing to fight anybody. Got the knockout, one of the greatest knockouts ever, ever over Ben Askren. Knocked out Darren Till when Darren Till was, wasn't afraid of nobody. And now Darren Till has never been the same after that fight. So, I mean, like, king of Miami, hell of a run, hell of a performance. I mean, like you said, he started off as nothing. Now he's a millionaire. Shout out to USC. And shout out Jorge Masvidal. I mean, boy, really is the the come up story of come up stories. Like if you like a real deal Miami guy that now is a millionaire just from fighting. Uh, and he's setting his shit up, man. Game brand. He's created it more than just a nickname. He's made it a brand. He's doing big things out there with the money. He's not stupid. He's a he really know how to leverage what he's got going on. And I just think it's amazing because at the end of the day, it's like. He can really sit down and he can really sit down and say like, "Yo, one knee changed the whole, changed my whole life." One knee, one one talking shit ass motherfucker. I hit him with the meanest knee he's ever taken, we've ever seen, and it'd be, and I'm taking it, and I took it to, I took it to, I took it to that new heights. Yeah, and then uh, the two piece in a soda that he gave Leon Edwards, that shit was on a t shirt for a while. Two piece in a soda, like I mean, like he. A man who was like Colby Covington had to create an image to sell. Jorge Mazo, John Annick said, like, Jorge Mazo never had to create an image. He was just an authentic person and he was able to sell. Game Bread. Well, hey, shout out Game Bread. Shout out his career. Shout out his new promotion. And y'all tap into the next card. Last card was actually really fun. Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens, Victor Belfort, Jacques Zoza, fucking Roy Jones Jr., Anthony Pettis. And he was able on his first card to pay the fighters. The same amount of money that was literally that he uh, was paid, I think, for the Kansas City car coming up or something. Like he he paid him out like two point something million, and Daniel White pays out like I two say, points. I heard, I heard that Roy Jones got paid seven hundred thousand. I wasn't going to throw it out there because I didn't know if it was true or not. But that's crazy. Yeah, like I mean, these people were making good money on the game bread boxing car. So everyone else counted. It's like, bro, he still paid out the same amount of money that people that fight in UFC like he used the same amount of money in fighter pay that Dana White did on the last card to like show yeah, niggas might not have to niggas might not have pulled up 
But niggas definitely was niggas definitely there was some money made on the back end. Definitely have some sponsors. Definitely got right. And uh, Jorge knows how to do anything. It's to turn nothing to something. So we'll we'll keep we'll keep watching. Yeah, we fuck with Game Bird, man. And shout out Bamo Brazil. Shout out my motherfucking boy, um, Gilbert Burns. And then now after we did the decisions, let's get into these knockouts here. We're gonna. Uh... So we walked into this motherfucker immediately. This is how I knew we were in the right place. It was, it was, it wasn't crazy loud, but I'm thinking like, oh, it's the it's the prelims. Nobody's here yet. All I hear is a boom. Woo! Dan Piper started my night off. With Joe Piper. Night. Joe Piper. Joe Piper, I'm calling him Dan. Dirty motherfucking Dan started the night off with a motherfucking bang for me. I fuck with that. I fuck with Let me go follow him on Twitter right now. I fuck with bro. Yeah. And he had a nice ass Octagon interview. I, I went 10 and 2 on my picks. This is one of my two losses. I had GM3, Jerome Mearshart. Um, I don't, I mean, I would have picked him again. I, and I literally said his only way of winning is submitting. But he's just like a Paul Craig to me. I just really enjoy that BJJ skill. But Joe Pfeiffer definitely set the stage, I think. Because even before that, every every fight before that, it was a knockout on uh, the Steve Garcia fight. But it wasn't really electric. So, like, we walked in a moment and turned into an electric factory. Joe Pfeiffer, another great interview. He got on there, called out anybody, said he's going to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. I'd love to hear that from Friday. Bro, bro's nickname is Body Bags. He definitely left one in Miami that night. And shout Boom. out to him three. He he got on Instagram or Twitter. Unlike Chris Curtis, he said, "Hey, sometimes it happens. Like, let the better man win. I'll be back. I'm sorry to all my fans. And make sure y'all go follow my dog at Joe underscore Piper ninety six. But hey, cause that that was just a little teaser. That's a little taste. Because next one we're gonna talk about was the one that I don't think anyone saw coming in the moment. It looked like when Kevin Holland knocked out Ibo, it was like a, a flash. It, it literally it happened in a split second. Um, dropped him, and it looked like it was about to go to decision. It looked like Kevin Holland was about to get an unanimous decision win. He it's not like he was hitting any crazy hard strikes or anything, but then bam, he lands a finisher, sends Poncebo literally straight to the ground. Didn't even put his hands down to, to, to fucking cushion his fall. Face plants him, gets the knockout, and then with even more gangster part, jumps the cage and says, "What's up, Trump?" Gives him, "Hey, what's up? What's up, Trump?" Da, 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 da. Cuts it up with the old president, and then gets back in and delivers another great. I mean, the interviews this fight night were just absolutely incredible. That boy was hungry. That boy was hungry. He wanted that dub. So it was funny. He's first off, that boy Kevin Holland is funny as hell. He said he smelled weed when he came walked into the re- to the state. And I was like, I didn't Guilty. smell nothing. I was there, but I was I was <laughs> but, you know, but, but you're like, damn, is my uncle, my uncle spark up or something like that? And he asked Ponzi about it. He said Ponzi just smiled. And I was like, that's funny. But um, this was a great fight. Um, Kevin Holland said that he still was having some trouble with his right hand. He literally got cleared for um sparring. He literally got cleared for sparring like on the twenty eighth type shit. Like wow. he literally got no. I think he got no. I think he got cleared to use four ounce gloves on the twenty on the twenty eighth type shit. So like he even came into this fight thinking like my hands a little fucked up, but fuck it, like we gonna get it. He said Ponzi wasn't as fast as Wonderboy, 
So that was motherfucking one of the ways that he was able to really keep up with him, control the pace. He was faster than bro. And he just kept tagging him, kept putting it on him. And this was a great fucking fight. And I continue to say, bro, like, welterweight is his division. Like, at middleweight, he definitely stalled because you're not going to beat Marvin Vittori. Uh, you're definitely not going to beat Jemayev, who's now going to be, like, the, the next guy at middleweight. And he wasn't being Izzy and Alex. Like, there, there was his levels to it. And now that he's at welterweight and he's a bigger guy, he doesn't have to worry about the wrestling motherfuckers as much. I, I love him in his division. And the only thing I can tell from from this fight is, let's be more aggressive. Because you definitely have, like, when you fought Alex Cowboy Oliveira, you definitely was the more stronger guy. You definitely, when you fight, when you just fought Santiago Ponzibo, who's a heavy hitter, you controlled the pace, you controlled the distance. Just let them hands go because you this like you just knocked him out almost like an effortlessly like hit like it wasn't even like he wound like it was a heavy heavy hit it was like just a fluid strike and if I feel like if he starts getting more more like letting his hands go a little bit more maybe he didn't let him go because of the pain in his right hand but I would like to see him throw a little bit more volume in his more fights because Kevin Holland literally could like I see him going to the moon in welterweight right now yeah. I fuck with bro. He's a helping brother, man. Not, he's a helping brother to me. He's um, and my favorite moment was when he hit bro with the right. He tried went for. I want to say he went to hit bro, missed. I was like the fuck. While his leg was in the air and boom, really took, really hit his ass with a mean like hammer chop type shit. Like shit was crazy. He was just looking like this motherfucker's a ninja, like a windshield wiper. Bro, this motherfucker is a ninja, homie. Like, but shout out, bro. I want to see him keep winning. Um, he's, he's gonna need. I'm gonna need to see a rank by his name by the end of the year, and just to make sure he keeps going. He's already talking about trying to fight. Um, who is it? Um, Tietza, maybe somebody. He wants to fight a grappler. He says he has a fight a grappler in a minute. And one of the blunt bros is doing and still winning, man. Next, and if he doesn't fight, we got to see. We've seen um his dog Chance with Kenny fight in July, so we'll see. If the blunt bros can keep that streak going, I, I would like the Chiesa fight just because uh, Gilbert Burns unranked at welterweight. Still, he probably, he would have been ranked in the top ten if he got the Wonder Boy win, but uh, Chiesa's sitting at twelve. So if he gets the win over him, he'll be in the rankings. Um, even if he doesn't get the Wonder, uh, not the, the Chiesa fight, I would like to see him fight Vince Luque, maybe um, Neil Magny, one of those two where he can get into that top ten area. Uh, so I like that Neil Magny fight. Yeah, very lengthy, good all-around fighter. I think this would get a little, especially uh, headlining like a fight night card, I think that would be a nice little headline. Uh, our next fight, this was, I'm not going to call it a fraud check, but I was going to say, I'm just going to call it as someone that, like a, a Raul Rosa situation. He just fought a high-level fighter a little too quick. Adrian Yanez getting viciously KO'd by Rob Font. Rob Font would probably, or I, I think it might be KO of the year. Like, outside of, yeah, Izzy had the bigger KO of the night. But just talking about, like, if it, if no one knew what the, the stipulations were, who these fighters or anything, you just show them both clips, which KO was better. Rob Font's fucking uppercut to Adrian Giannis is, and then you see the blood that's, like, fucking spew to one side as he's going down, like, that was insane. That, I, to me, I think is a candidate for KO of the year, especially because I was there live. And, um, I mean, shout out. I think Giannis can come back even stronger. He, he, but, man, Rob Font's a fucking tough test to go go from Tony Kelly to Rob Font. I mean, it definitely showed in the difference. Rob Font hurt him a little early, 
and Rihanna's didn't look the same. He looked a little like on his back foot, and Rob Font just kept walking him down and eventually finished the fight in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Rob Font, just it was nasty, man. I definitely picked Adrian Yanez. I thought this was going to be like Adrian Yanez coming out party. I'm I'm one of the big dogs in the division right now. But instead, it was Rob Font showing like, yo, bro, it ain't over. I'm still here. I'm still hitting hitters. He's not playing gatekeeper. He wants to play um he wants to play um contender. So like he's gonna keep he's gonna stay out here really doing what he's doing. And shout out him. Fuck me for missing this fight because I wanted to go fucking buy a shirt. Cause I was like, I definitely can't miss the next thing. I could have missed a little bit of that Gilbert Burns and Jorge fight. I, and, it, and this one, I mean, and, I, I won't even fault you because you left right at the Holland interview and you should have had time. I felt like they rushed this one into the ring. Because usually you had like a 20-minute break in between. But this one felt like it was five, six minutes. All of a sudden, lights are off. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, here we go. That ass. Uh, but, I mean, great fight. Great for Rob Font. Great to put a stamp on like, hey, stop trying to put a fork in me. I'm still here. But we got to say, this was saved for the last. The best for the last right here. The... Break that bitch. Israel <laughs> Adesanya's KO over Alex Vieira, bro. The fucking KO. I, I was trying to be nice to Rob Font, but the KO of the year. Israel Adesanya, the fucking... One of those on the ass. He avenged it. He got the dub. He got he slayed the demon. Got the monkey off his back. Shout out Israel Adesanya. But shout out Piera as well for being a great champion. Not bitter in the L. Great respect. Two champions really, really with respect against respect. Bro, when I tell you, motherfucker, I don't know what the fuck I said, but when Izzy got that KO, I'm talking, stand up. Let's go. I'm giving it to I don't know who I'm giving it to, like. I'm giving up to anybody listening. I don't know what the fuck. All right, man, fuck all that bullshit about all the all the bullshit motherfuckers was talking. Oh, he's beating him three times. No, bitch, he's beating him for two minutes for three minutes. Like he's he's fucked him up, blah blah blah. No, he just does not need to get hit with that left hook. The way Izzy played possum, waited for it, waited for it, boom, boom, and then came down with the hand of God. I'm telling you, oh, when he did that man. one, as I tell you, it looks like he slayed the monster. Like, if someone was to edit in, like, a dagger, like, that was him, like, ah, like, fucking, this is, like, putting it into the heart of the monster and just, like, slaying his ass. I heard that he told the ref, motherfucking, yo, this is mine. Well, not I heard. He said that he told the ref, motherfucking, yo, this is, this is, it's been, this is a long time coming. This has been all the way since 2017, man. Let's, like, don't get it. If I'm not, let me have my moment. Don't get in the way. So it was just fucking poetry. That motherfucker, he just had to get that last one. Boom. Got the fuck up. Hit him with the arrows. Fuck nigga. Fuck nigga. Because there's a difference. Because I feel like these are like real, like Indian, Native Americans. Like I'm colder on the fat type arrows. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was the greatest. This is the greatest moment I've ever seen. And I've been to a few sporting events. I've been to a packed out Gator Stadium. And like, bro, those 19,000, when 19,000 people stood up in Miami, bro, <sighs> shit was insane. Everybody's just, let's go. Duh, duh. 
And then and then he finds and then he finds the next the next of kin, points him out, and then <laughs> mocks and then lets him know like I ain't forget what you did to me, like fucking eight years ago or whatever, however long ago it was. Nah, that boy's a gangster man. But when I come to me, the rawest thing I seen about it was this really was like a long time coming. He slayed the beast, man. And his interview when he said, like, yo, I wish that you can feel this level of happiness one day in your life. Like, when all the motherfuckers that were talking shit, like, yo, bro, all the people that hate on is like, I really felt like that was T. Like, I hope that one day you can feel that. Because me personally, just being in that arena, seeing that shit, feeling that shit, the 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 hate I got for for Ruben for Izzy everybody saying my boyfriend get fucked up I'm like oh, all right all right, all right. I I took that and I bottled it up Paul I got it with me right now like I got I put it in, I put a little bit in the pack like motherfucking that was an amazing moment man shout out Izzy shout out anybody that was rooting for him and shout out anybody that's not a bitch <laughs> and uh, I mean Piera. Everyone keeps like the question everyone wants to keep asking is like, oh, should they run it back another? Henry Cejudo's pushing hard for a fourth fight. I'm not really going to dwell into that just because even Pierre himself even said like his next thing is moving up to 205. Like he himself isn't even entertaining like a fourth fight. He he doesn't like. I think the weight cuts way harder than what he makes it look like it is. Like he is a big guy at 35, 36 years old. This isn't an easy weight cut. So I think um. I think even if he would have won, maybe he would have been like, all right, I'm moving up to 205. Because, like, I don't think he wants to continue to go to 185. So I want to see him with the Jamal Hill fight. I, I would, But I don't think he'll get that fight immediately. So people are talking about maybe it's a Yawn versus Pierre fight next, which would also be an electric fight. I want to see how big this motherfucker looks at 205. Mega Man versus him, maybe two straight strikers. Okay, 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 okay. Because, like, if he can get his takedown defense, I'd like him to beat the fuck out of Young. And that Ankalaya fight would be kind of nice. And after that, it's either Yuri or Jamal Hill. Yeah, and Yuri still hurts. I don't think he's going to be Yuri. So it's like, also, like, who knows? Maybe if Dana doesn't see a, a good seller for him versus Young. We just get we get steamrolled into the Hill versus Pierre fight. Like, getting sold as champ versus ex-champ. And, I mean, I would love to see any of these fights for Pierre at this point. Just not the Izzy. I mean, I wouldn't be mad for the Izzy Pierre for uh fight, but I mean I'm just not here for it also. And yeah, I also just love the pettiness of Pierre's corner. Did you see them at, at whenever they did the hand raising? No. Nah. When they're doing oh, the yeah, hand yeah, raising, yeah. they're in the back going. Or like <laughs> they're like three well, I was like, Brad, like Pierre Pierre is very respectful, but his his corner is fucking dope. Hey, shout out motherfucking UFC. This was an awesome fucking card, you know. And this was probably one of the funnest things I've ever done. And I mean, the card electric, fights electric. Before we go, what was your favorite knockout? Oh, Izzy, Izzy by Payetta, definitely. But I and, doubt that's favorite fight? Castle versus Chris Curtis. Okay. Oh, that, that's a good one. My favorite, I would say my favorite fight probably, my favorite knockout was the Rob Font one. My favorite fight is probably the Izzy fight just because. I really thought Pierre was getting in with the leg kick. I was like, I thought yes. it really oh was that leg was gone for a second. Yeah, no, he even said in the interview, "Fuck, not again." And 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 just know this was my this was the first one. So next one, we know what the vibes is. We know what the game plan is. Maybe get there a little earlier. Maybe get there a little drunker. Get there a little higher. But 
we is going out to the after parties. Because they said Club 11 was crazy. I'm putting away. We got to put away a budget for parking and after parties. Yeah, no. And the parking and after parties is going to be the new budget. And then, and then we'll worry about ticket budget. Parking is insane. And oh, and uh, I mean, before we go, because we got to wrap up here in a little bit, uh, that party was lit. We weren't there, but that, I mean, uh, Chuck Liddell, the Iceman, Tito, uh, fucking Tomorrow uh, Usman. Like, there is up on that bitch. The, the, one of the pictures that I saw looked like a fucking, someone said it looked like a painting. Like, it was a legendary picture of them in the club. So, I mean, boy got his win, got the monkey on his back, and did he know how to party in Miami? And the stars came through, man. Mike Tyson was there. Justin Jefferson, OBJ, motherfucking. The person next to me had uh, actually just seen Justin Jefferson on the way to the fight. Like, it, the stars were in Miami. Niggas kind of Uber together and shit. Like, everybody was out there, man. Tyson, Kevin Holland was mad. He said he was so shocked, so stuck that, that Donald Trump was there that he forgot to go shake Mike Tyson's hand. Hey, Donald Trump will do that to you, bro. That's just to let you know, bro. I we didn't vote for him. You know what was voting for him? This ain't a political channel, but boy, he was him in that night. That boy was him. I'm not gonna lie to you, kid. <laughs> but we we gotta get out of here. Hopefully, next time we'll catch y'all at the fucking UFC event with us. This has been the recap to UFC 287: Piera versus Adesanya, card of the year. I'm staking the claim on it right now. And if you was there, man, let us know where you were sitting in the comments, man. Yeah, we want to hear from you. I want to hear how, how it felt for you to watch that bitch live. But as always, this has been Totally Blitz Podcast. I'm Paul Pick on Winning Concha. That's Kev, the Street Fights Enthusiast Savoy. And if y'all didn't know, now y'all know, motherfuckers.